Today, we are going to continue, like I said, in this story of the woman at the well. And so, um, last week, we were sort of introduced to, to Jesus um, passing through Samaria. And one of the neat things that happened is, is, is Scripture said Jesus had to pass through Samaria. And what we know is Jesus doesn't have to do anything that he doesn't want to do. Why? Because Jesus is fully man and he's fully God. He helped create, the, well not helped, he created the entire world. He created man. He can do whatever he wants, but Scripture says he had to pass through Samaria. And there was reasons for that. There, there, there was things that, that, are, that were happening that Jesus knew needed to be corrected. And so we talked about some of the wrongs that were, that were going on. I'm going to move that so I don't trip. So we talked about some of the wrongs that were happening between um, Samaria, um, which was half Jewish, half Gentile, and then the rest of the Jewish nation. The two didn't get along. The Jews thought that the, Samarians, the Samaritans were just nasty, dirty people, that they weren't even worth their time or effort to walk through their town. And if they did walk through their town, they felt as though they were simply unclean when they went out the other side. Have you ever gone anywhere, walked through any place where you felt like when you walked in, I was okay, but when I walked out, you were like, ooh, it's a little icky. That's how the Jews felt when they went through, some, through Samaria. Like, they felt unclean. And Jesus recognized this, this injustice that was happening against this group of people. Why? Because this group of people were also children of God. They were created in the image of God. There's not a single person alive today who's not been created in the image of God. And the question in the in, in the in the the bigger situation is, do you belong to Jesus Christ? That is what's at stake. That's, it. That's, that's what's happening here. And these people did not belong to Jesus. There was clear distinctions in how they believed. The, um, they believed in, in a different sort of version of the Pentateuch, and, and, and it, theirs was different. They had Mount Gerizim that they built their temple on. The Jewish people, they believed um, uh, the first original five books of the Bible, the, 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 it's, the should have been the same Pentateuch, but it wasn't. It's also called the Torah. So, um, but, but they had these first five books. And so you would think, hey, we're talking about the first five books of Moses. And, you know, you know Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. I didn't even have to look. Are you all proud of me? Um, so, so these first five books, you would think they would at least be able to, to agree there. And they went, no, we don't even agree. Our first five books are different than your first five books. And then the Samaritans, they didn't, they didn't even go with the whole rest of the Old Testament, where the Jewish folks, they went with the whole, old, the whole rest of the which gave them all this information about Jesus Christ, about who he is, about how he was going to come. And so there's these, this difference between these two peoples. And, and the Jewish people were, I mean, let's just face it, they were, there was uh, discriminations that were happening. They looked at them and said, you're not worth anything and Jesus Christ looked at them and said you're worth everything and so he had to pass through there it says he had to and then we get to where we are today so look with me in John chapter 4 we're going to start at verse 16 it says there Jesus said to her go call your husband and come here 
The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one, you have, the one that you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not, uh, what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from, get this, the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming, He who is called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. Just then, his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek? Or, why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar, went away into the town, and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and were coming to him. This story just went from amazing to even more amazing i don't know about you all but like like this is one of those things that that like we get to start seeing like jesus just looked her in the face and said you're talking to the big guy like, that's big y'all like you know so so let's just let's back up before i get too super excited and and just go where we need to get here so so first things first we have to deal with with this fact that this woman has had five husbands. Jesus is standing there and he tells her, go, call your husband, come here. And the woman answers him and she says, I have no husband. Did she lie? No. Did she tell the truth? No. Which is the same thing as what? It's a lie. So did she lie? Yes. Because what we want to do is we want to pretend like somebody's not lying, right? That's what we do as a people. It's, we don't want to get caught. We don't want to get busted out. So, so he says, go call your husband and, and then come here. And she says, well, I, I don't have a husband. And she thought that was just going to be enough, you know, because I'm just talking to a guy who's sitting next to a well. It's all good. And he says, well, you're right in saying that I have no husband for you have had five husbands. Just then... She has to start wondering in her mind, who is this? Right? He says, you've had five husbands, and the one that you have now isn't even your husband. She's probably wondering what is going on. He says, what you've said is true. Now, if she's just told a lie, why does he say what you've said is true? Sounds a little contradicting, doesn't it? She's obviously not been forthcoming. She said, I don't have a husband. But what I can tell you is that from a moralistic standpoint, from the law of Moses, from everything that we have in the Old Testament, it says if you're going to lay with a man, if you're a woman and you're laying with a man, 
should be your husband. That's what Scripture says. It's not me. You can get mad at me if you want to, but you've got to be mad at him. So, so here's the thing. It says if you're going to do that, understand that he's supposed to be your husband. That's the way that this thing works. So she's lied, but Jesus says what you've said is true. She avoided her inappropriate relationship with a man that she's clearly involved with because Jesus just pointed it out without her having to even spill the beans. That should tell each of us something here, shouldn't it? She didn't say anything. All he did was say, give me a drink. And she's like, I can't give you a drink, you're a Jew, right? That's the only real conversation that they've had up to this point. And then he says, well, go call your husband. And she says, well, I don't have a husband. He goes, yeah, you're right. You've had five of them. And the one you got now, he ain't even your husband. And she's going, I didn't give you any of that information. Who are you? So she's, she's already not come clean about her inappropriate relationship. And Jesus knows already. That means that when we talk to Jesus, we should just come clean, shouldn't we? Like, have you ever been in this, and Sierra can, can this is one of those times when I'm pointing you out, I'm sorry. But, but have you ever been as a parent talking to one of your children and you said, hey, where were you on the night of? Now, you know full well where they were. They know full well that you know that you know where they were. And that they look at you and they go, I don't know. Am I right? Like, how many times as parents have we looked at our kids and go, like, I've even used this on her. I said, I'm going to ask you a question. And just to make sure you're clear, I already have the answer. I just need you to say it. Like, I just I gave her the quick, easy out. I already know. I just need you to tell me. And she goes, I don't know. I just told you I already know. Jesus knows everything, people. Like, like church, understand, Jesus knows everything everything he knew before she ever opened her mouth that she had five husbands she's got one that she's sleeping with that she's not married to he knows all don't try to hide it i can't be any more blunt about that than i am right now don't try to pull one over on him he'll see through it when jesus says i already know just talk to me just do it but like all children we're still going to pull that out we're going to look jesus right in the face and go i don't know because that's what we do we try our absolute best to hide what we feel guilty about, what we feel uncomfortable with, and we, we try to, to push it away. If we don't talk about it, it didn't happen. Except that Jesus still knows. In 1 Corinthians, Paul, in chapter 7, it says, But because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. In this particular situation that we're talking about, it's, it's very clear what she's doing is wrong. Now, I understand like we're kind of landing on this one particular thing. If you in this room are guilty of that, I'm not condemning you. If you feel any condemnation from it, it ain't coming from me. I'm just telling you what Scripture says. So, so just understand that, that a lot of people in this room have done a lot of things. None of us are clean. We're all sinners, and all of us fall short of the glory of God. There's not a single person in this room who can stand there and say, I'm absolutely perfect, y'all. Come and, come and mimic me, because all we can do is mimic the Savior, amen? He's the only one who is perfect. So, so realize that none of us are perfect. We're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to fall on our faces. And that's where she is, and Jesus is trying to bring her to this, this revelation, to this understanding. 
And so Jesus reveals this truth about her five husbands, about this one who, who you're sexually immoral with, this one who's not your husband, but you're laying with him as if he were. Jesus reveals truth about her marriage status and her sinfulness. And in the process of that, Jesus says, what you've said is true. He says, what you've said is true. You don't have a husband. You're absolutely right. You were truthful in that. That you are sinful. You're truthful about that. Because even without you admitting it, I can see through the facade that you're laying before me. Yeah. You not having a husband, that was the only way you could admit it? Fine. We'll go with that. And understand that Jesus meets us where we are. Do you see him hitting her over the head with anything? Do you see him picking up a rock to stone her? Because that, back then, was what they did. She was guilty of death at that point. And yet, Jesus didn't do any of that, did he? We don't see where Jesus is, is offering any of this sort of condemnation. You know why? Because, because when God sent his son into the world, he sent his son into the world to save it. And he says, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world. I came into the world to save it. Because we're all nasty, dirty sinners. And we all need saving. He's like, if I came here to condemn all of you all, there wouldn't be a single person, not a single person left. We're all guilty. We're all guilty. Thank God. Thank the Lord that we have this, this chance, this offering of forgiveness. So then he moves, she, well, she moves on. Verse 19, she says to him, okay, I perceive now that you're a prophet. I get it. You know a lot of things. You're, you're one of these people that can, that can sort of foretell and see beyond. You must be a prophet. But then she tries to deflect because that's what we do, right? As sinners, when we've just been confronted with a sin, we like to deflect it. Okay, fine, fine, you caught me in my sin, but, but you, right? But you would have been add in fill in the blank, right? I mean, there was always this, this thing of, you know, well, okay, fine, you caught me drinking, but I know for a fact that when you were younger, you drank. See, I'm, I'm fine with now owning my own sin, but I'm going to deflect that sin back on you. That's what we do as people. And that's exactly what we get to see her doing here. She says, okay, I perceive you're a prophet. You got me. But our fathers worshiped on this mountain. Mount Gerizim is what she's talking about. But you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. You're trying to point things out to me, and, and, and I don't like it, so I'm going to point something back to you, since you must be a prophet and all. She recognizes that Jesus is different. She knows he knows things now. It's evident. He's caught her in this half-truth, but, but here's the thing. Jesus understands, and, and, and if we were to go back, actually I'm going to encourage you, go just to John 3. You might have to flip a page, but, but John chapter 3 and verse 20. It says, for everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. This is the reason that we deflect. This is the reason that when we get caught, that we try to drag somebody else into it with us because we don't want to do it alone. If we're going to get in trouble, it's best to do it as a group. Right? I mean, who wants to face trial alone? So that's what she does. She's trying to bring Jesus into her sinfulness. The Samaritans, they believed 
like I said, and, and just this, this beginning portions of the Old Testament. They didn't believe in all the rest of the stuff. The Jewish people, they, they did believe in that. You can find more out about that in Deuteronomy chapter 27 if you want to go there and look. Um, I mean, it's interesting reading. You're, I encourage you always to look to God's Word. You'll never, never go wrong reading God's Word. But, but here's the thing. The differences between the two is that, is that you know, they believed that, that, that they had to do something a certain way. Mount Gerasim, this is where we've got to worship. This is where our forefathers came to worship. And you're saying that you all, the Jewish people, you are going over there and doing stuff in Jerusalem and you built your temple over there. Like, like, like what's the big deal? Y'all do it there, we do it here. Like, somebody's got to be right. And, well, she's going with they're wrong because that's what we also do as a people. We like to deflect. We, like, we don't like to think that we're incorrect about anything. But what we know is that the Jewish temple... The one that was built in Jerusalem was built in the city of David. And if they had read the rest of the Old Testament and knew what the Old Testament said, that they would have understood that there's this pointing to one who was going to come, who was going to be born of a virgin, who was going to have all this detail that's been laid out in the Old Testament that they are ignoring because of their, their, their own selfishness. Because of the, they're not humble enough to, to just submit before God and say, look, I belong to you. It's, it's I'm going to control this thing. And so therefore, they don't get to see that Jesus Christ is going to come from the line of David. That the temple in Jerusalem, in the city of David, that's where things are going to happen. That's where the temple has to be. So, so in the grand scheme of things, not only has she just found herself to be a sinner, but she's also wrong. Period. None of that's easy to swallow. I mean, have you ever been wrong like multiple times in the same day? It just, it just makes for a bad day all the way around. And, and for her, she's, she's being confronted with so much. But then here's the beauty of it. Verse 21, back in our, our chapter 4, verse 21. And this is, this is, this is amazing, you all. Like, like, understand, Jesus looks at her and he says, Woman, believe me. He says, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. Thank you. Because you know what that really means? It means freedom. We are no longer slaves to anyone or any place or anything. Because even in the rightful place of Jerusalem, even in the temple there, in the city of David, underneath all those people, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all those people who were supposed to be doing the right thing, they were doing wrong constantly, left and right, all, like, all the way to the point of Jesus looking them right in the face and saying, you're a brood of vipers, you hypocrites. Like Jesus is calling them out. So, so these people were actually continuing to enslave the Jewish people to the law and to the traditions. Those people weren't free to worship. There wasn't a single Jew during that time who was free to worship. They were under law and under obligation set forth by these, by these people, these leaders. And what Jesus says here is there's an hour coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, it's not going to matter. You're not going to worship the Father in any of those ways. He points out that place doesn't matter. He points out that this mountain doesn't matter. He points out that that mountain doesn't matter, that buildings don't matter, that temples don't matter. The fact is, is that religion doesn't matter. Denominations don't matter. You know what does matter? 
God the Father, Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, the one who died to forgive us of our sins. That is what matters. The thing is, is that we can follow certain things. Here, we're Southern Baptists, and I'm not knocking it. I love the Southern Baptists. But here's the thing. We can be Southern Baptists. We can be whatever kind of Baptist you want to be, as long as we are following this book, amen? Because this is the Word of God. And, it, and I could be a Southern Baptist, and I'm telling you right now, there are Southern Baptist churches that don't follow this book. Are they any different than the temple where there's Pharisees and Sadducees telling people lies? Are they any different than the TV evangelists who are saying, send me money, send me money, send me money. What you need is fortune and wealth and living your best life now. If Carol was here, she would agree. And, and here's the thing, like, like, like there's this whole thing that, that we get to see society wants us to believe. None of it is this truth. None of it. And what Jesus is saying is it's, there's going to come a day, there's going to come an hour when it's not going to matter where you do this. What's going to matter is how you do this. Understand what I'm saying? Do you get the picture that I'm trying to lay out for you? Like, like it matters. It matters that it doesn't matter. I don't, so... So here's the thing. He says, he's, Jesus says, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. Samaritans, they worship God. There's no doubt. Remember, I told you, they, they looked to those first five books. They worshiped God. But they were a hodgepodge of people. It's just, that's just the truth to it. They were a mixture of Jewish people and Gentile people. They called them half-breeds. Don't hold me and say, oh, you're using bad terms. Like, that's what scholars called them, okay? I'm not trying to talk bad about people. It's just, all I can do is tell you what it says. They were, they were looked at as if they were just worthless people. They did believe that there was a Messiah coming. That was great. Except they didn't know how he was getting here because they didn't read any of the stuff that was written back in the Old Testament. They had no clue about what Isaiah was talking about. They had no clue about what, what some of the other great leaders and, 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 and writers had, had left for us. They had no clue. They believed that Messiah was coming, but they had no idea of how, but only just that he would simply, he would die and he would rise again. So at least they had some sort of a, some sort of a foundation. But I'm going to go with it was a sketchy one. They had some truth. But some truth isn't, isn't enough. We need, we need the whole truth. And that's the reason we have these 66 books laid out here before us. The Jewish people, they worship God too. So you would think, like, we're okay. They both worship God. But only one has got the truth. Only one. And, and so... So we have this idea that, that from the Jewish people, they believed that God was sending a son, that there would be a Messiah who would come, that he would be a savior, that he would be born of the house of David, that he would be of the Jewish bloodline, he would be born of a virgin, that he would suffer and he would die and he would rise again. See, that was the difference. That was the distinction between the Samaritan people and the Jewish people. It's the reason that Jesus says salvation is from the Jews. Because they've got all the information. They have all the information. Albeit, they're not using it correctly. Right? It's, it's, it's okay. It's okay. 
He's going to get people there. Remember, it says that he had to go through Samaria. He had to. But he says in verse 23, But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father, he says, in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. He says, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Those are very key terms that we're using today. Spirit and truth. Jesus begins to reveal this truth. He begins to point these things out. He begins to point people to the fact that, that, that the Lord God is called Father. Remember I started us off with, remember, all these people in Samaria, they're all what? Children of God, right? We would not refer to God as the Father if we weren't His children. He is the Father. Our Father. We belong to Him. The problem is that we're separated from Him. There's a separation that's happened. And he is trying to build a bridge to get us back to him. So it says, the hour is coming and it's here now when the true worshipers, understand that, true worshipers, not just the ones that want their ears tickled, not just the ones that say, look, let me tell you what this says and then let me, let me interpret it for you so that I'm bending this word to my agenda. Because that's what happens, right? If we're honest, that's what happens. The people on TV, that, I mean, I'm not talking about all people on, but like some of the other churches and some of the TV evangelists, they take and they bend God's word so that, it, so that it fits their need, it fits their agenda. We can't do that. We have to bend ourselves to fit his needs and his agenda. It's his way or no way, period. It is, can only be his way. If we do anything else, it leads us to hell. We cannot think that we are brighter or smarter or higher than the Lord God because we're not. He created us. It says that He molds us as if we're clay. He knows who we are on the inside and on the outside. He already knows if you're going to turn your heart to Him. He already knows if you're going to walk away from Him forever. He knows. And don't think for a second that He's not shedding tears for the lost. Because he is. It says that he pursues us. He is seeking after us. It says that when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, it says for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. He wants all people to come to know who he is. He's seeking you out. He wants you. He desires you in the midst of all of your pain, your tragedy, your nastiness, all of your sinfulness. He wants you. When you feel like I am undeserving, that God would never want to use a person like me, why would God ever call a person like me to, to preach? Why would God ever call a person like me to be a deacon? Why would God ever call a person like me to run sound or to sing up here and, and lead worship? Why would God ever ask me to go and call my neighbor and say, hi, how are you, or check on me? Why would God ever call on me to do any of those things? Because I am so broken, nasty, and dirty. I'm not worthy. And that's when Jesus looks at us and he says, but you are. You are worthy. And I desire you and I want you. And I just want you to understand that. 
He's got such a heart, such a love, such a desire, so much so that he died for us, people. I mean, I know it sounds like just a broken record. It's just, you know, just like, oh, that's just a Christian thing to say. He died for us. He loves us so much. It's amazing that God, who is absolute spirit, he exists anywhere and everywhere, all at the same time, right? He doesn't have to be worshipped just on this one particular mountain or on that one particular mountain or at this place or over in Jerusalem at this temple or that temple. He doesn't have to do any of that because God is infinitely everywhere. We are blessed because of that. And he's trying his best to point this woman to this truth. He's looking for those who pursue this truth, this real truth in the Spirit of God because when Jesus died and he rose again, we got to have his Holy Spirit who, who dwells in us, who leads us, who convicts us. Remember I was saying earlier, if you feel conviction, it's not because of me. If you feel conviction in your life today, it's not because of the preacher up here. It's not because of the person sitting next to you. It's because the Holy Spirit is talking to you. If you feel conviction, if you feel anything, any sort of a heavy weight at all, even if you feel, I need to come forward and confess those sins. And you're not confessing those to me. I want to make sure that that's clear too. If you come forward at the end of service today, we're going to have an invitation. If you come forward at the end of service today, you're not talking to me. You're talking to Jesus. I can't save you. Jesus saves you. Salvation is only from Jesus Christ. It is not from Greg Knapper. It is not from a single soul here at Bethlehem Baptist Church, but he can use us to bring you there can absolutely use us we just have to be willing participants he's looking for people who will believe in his teachings believe in his ways believe in his son jesus christ because without the spirit and without truth people are lost they're lost in luke chapter 10 verse 16 it says the one who uh it says the one who hears you Here's me, and the one who rejects you rejects me. And the one who rejects me rejects the one who sent me. If we reject Jesus Christ, we're rejecting God. That's what that says. Point blank, if you need me to break it down, you reject Jesus Christ, then you reject God. Matthew chapter 10, it says, Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. It means that if you believe that God sent Jesus Christ, his one and only son, to die for your sins, and you believe in him and you confess your faith in him, that you have been received by God the Father, who is also Jesus Christ. You belong to the family. You belong as an heir, a full heir of the kingdom of God. This woman seems like she's starting to grasp some things. She says, well, I know the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. We're getting, that's, just, that's information for us. She says, I know that Messiah is coming, and when he comes, he's going to tell us all things. She at least, remember, I said she's got these found, this, this little bit of a foundation. She understands that when, when the Messiah comes, that he's going to know all. But she only knows so much. And she needs the truth revealed to her. She doesn't realize that he's standing right in front of her. She doesn't quite get it. 
And, and, it, and it's nothing against her. His disciples have been walking with him all this time. They still don't get half of it. And then we, those of us have been studying the Bible for years and years and years. I've been a pastor for, I don't even know how long now. Honestly, I've lost count. Like 12 or 13 years. I don't get it all. I don't. There's a lot of this stuff that I'm like, I'm like, whew. I'd go back and read that again. There's mystery in this book. And it's okay if you don't get it. It's okay if you don't understand it all. God will reveal it to you as you need it. It is food that is being fed to you for you to mature on. It's okay. But Jesus, here for her, he needed her to get this. He just dropped the mic right on her. I was going to drop a mic today, but I didn't want to tear one up. So Jesus said, I speak, I who speak to you am he. I who speak to you am he. He just revealed himself to be the Christ. He just drops knowledge on her and just blatantly says, I am the Messiah that you're looking for. I'm the Messiah that you're pointing to. I'm the Messiah that you're talking about, that you're referring to, the one that you're looking ahead for, standing right in front of you. That's what he tells her. He doesn't do this very often. He doesn't reveal himself like this during his ministry. But this time he felt that it was necessary because he was out to save an entire race of people who he deemed worthy of his love. Amen? We oftentimes, left to our own vices, we would completely write off an entire race of people Understand that that's how sinful we are. You look back to when 9-11 happened, there's a lot of people who just flat out said, go kill everybody over in Afghanistan. Just go drop the bomb. Right? Let's just be honest. Lots of people just said, just go over there and nuke them all. Be done. Eradicate them off the face of the earth. Jesus Christ said, nope, because they need saving. Because I love them. Because they're children of God. And he saw fit to stop whoever would hit a button like that. Jesus Christ is not here to condemn us. He's not. He said, I have come to save the world. And he just saw an entire race of people who were doomed to hell, and he said, something's got to be done. So, so do I walk around the city? He said, no, I have to go through Samaria. I have to. Because those people are going to be lost forever if I don't. Hopefully, it allows for you to see you're worthy. You're worthy. Even when someone else may look at you and say that you're not worthy, even if you get messages sent to you, I know a lot of teens struggle with that. We've even had testimonies given here in this church about how teens have, have been given messages that said you should just kill yourself because nobody wants you, nobody loves you. Jesus Christ loves you. You're worthy. And if no one ever else shows love to you, Know that you're given love from Jesus Christ because you are loved. It was necessary for these people to see the truth, to receive the Spirit. Because without the Spirit, without the truth, there's no hope. We need the hope of Jesus Christ. last thing I'm going to lead you to is and it's just where this thing wraps up. It says, you know, just then his disciples, they come back. They marveled that, that he was talking with a woman, but nobody said, hey, what are you doing? Like, what are you seeking? Why are you here talking with her? Like, nobody raised any sort of alarms. 
They're just watching what's happening, watching what's unfolding. It says that the woman, she left her jar. The reason that she went to the well to begin with, right? She went to go draw water. She left it. She spent all that time up there talking to Jesus, and then she left the jar that she was going to fill. She just left it. She went away. She went back to the town, and she said, Hey, y'all, come and see a man who just told me everything that I ever did. Now, granted, we only know that he talked to her about her five husbands and this one that wasn't. He probably revealed some other things to her as well. We just have what we know. She said, he just told me everything that I've ever done. Come and see him. And it says that they left their homes and they began to come forth to be able to come and see this man, to hear from this man. Next week, Lord willing, we're going we're gonna to see how this group of people reacts to Jesus. You see, right now, they're coming because she just went and said, let me tell you about this guy. Let me tell you about, about what he just did. It's no different than what I'm doing right now. I'm telling you about this guy named Jesus. I'm telling you about what he's done. And, 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 and all of you are listening and hearing, right? But next week, the story changes course just slightly. But it's a very significant change. So again... I'm going to lead you on. I come back next week if you want to know more. My evil plan is working. Here's the thing. We cannot receive, Timmy, if you'll put these up there. Uh, I think they're on there. <clears throat> you just, yeah, bring up these right here. We cannot receive the Spirit until that we admit the truth. We can't receive the Spirit until we believe the truth and until we confess the truth. Doesn't that seem something like maybe some of you may have learned a long time ago, the ABCs, right? Admit, believe, and confess. But here's the thing. We can only do those things if we figure out what is the truth. And the truth is that we are all sinners. We have to be able to admit that. We've got we to face that right out of the gate. We are all sinners. Until you get there, you're stuck. You've got to admit that you're a sinner. You have to believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is the only one. He's the true one and only Son of God who was sent here for you. And then you have to understand, and you've got to believe the truth that while we're still sinners, because none of you are perfect, none of you are going to be perfect. To the day you die, you will sin. While you're still sinners, Jesus Christ died for you. He died for you. And he did that because he loves you, because he desires you, and he deemed you worthy. So if you feel unloved, again, you feel like you're not worth it, you are. It's been told to you today. You can't walk around and say that any longer. It's so, 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 so important to understand. But I'm going to stop there. Come back next week to pick up a little bit more. With that, I'm going to ask you to bow and pray with me. Father, we thank you for this truth that you have given us. Father, we thank you for, for the way that you have shown up in our lives. God, we thank you that, that you sacrificed yourself so that we could receive your Holy Spirit and that you deem us worthy. Without you, we're lost. 
Without you, we have nothing. We need you so desperately. And even once we've received you, God, it it just doesn't stop there. Like, we're not completely off the hook because, because we still do wrong, and it just shows us even more so how much we need you. So, Lord, continue to draw us near with that assurance that we belong to you, with that assurance that can ever take us away from you once we've confessed ourselves to you. Help us to believe. Help us to, to lay ourselves at your feet to proclaim you as Lord and Savior. Help us to understand that you pursue not only us, but all people and to help us in our daily walk that as we look upon the faces of others, that we remove all the things that would keep us away from them because you came to heal the lost, the sick, the needy, the poor, the widowed, the orphaned. And in some way, Lord, we all fit into those categories. We may be rich, we may be poor in heart. There's many things about us, God, and you know them all. We can't hide from you. So help us to pour ourselves out and to trust you. Increase in us faith. Give us your Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us, to convict us. Lord, we're thankful that you don't condemn us. That you offer forgiveness. That you offer salvation. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. We ask this all in your precious name. Amen.